welcome to None of My Friends Like Comics. This is a podcast where a comic book enthusiast talks to a newcomer about a piece of work in the medium, and we break it down to see if my friend, the first-time reader, will pull it or drop it. I'm your host, Nick Poffenbarger, and my co-hosts, plural, today, are three past guests. We've got Elena Gamblin. Hey, everyone. Brett Scott. What's up? And Max Ravenscroft. Hello. Super duper crossover issue 10 mega woobadaboo. Yeah. You have, to, you have to push it again. Yeah, it's going to go on for a long time. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, this is my first time meeting you guys. Um, <laughs> you guys have all never met before. What you, you, you said your name was Elena? Elena. Okay. And you were Brett. Brett Hitman Scott. <laughs> <laughs> We're just goofing. We're just goofing. We're all friends here. <laughs> Big goofy time. <laughs> no more goofing is what I'm saying. No more goofing. I ain't trying to goof no more. Right, but uh yeah no big episode 10 we are in the double digits on this show and uh figured i'd bring back three people i'm uh the three uh you know i was trying to be very calculating about it bring back the three highest performing people um you know to get the biggest numbers can this be a competition <laughs> yeah i mean you know you guys definitely hit on you know scott and chris for sure uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> those fucking guys those fucking guys no no actually i i mean like we just had this planned out before i even knew that i were gonna i was gonna have <laughs> i, I mean i am in the lead though you are yeah i am winning you do have the most appearances yeah his was out the earliest yeah i'm still winning you have though. to factor that in mine's the highest if you factor that in highest what the highest watch count listen count maybe it is I don't know. Do you want me to show you my numbers? I, I'll have the analytics team pull it up for you, but, right. you know, sometime. <laughs> if you're you, really curious. You also have to pay attention to demographics on stuff like that. Really cur- we got good demographics. Yeah? Yeah, ever, pull- since, ever since Elena came on, we're not uh, we're not 99% men. Yeah, bring in the chicks. How do you guys do in the Czech Republic? <laughs> in the Czech Republic. We have another guest today, Nick's cat, Gurney. <laughs> Gurney, get out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, goodbye this is going really well yeah yeah you know i mean uh, so um yeah we are doing a book today um called uh dark knight true batman story from dc's vertigo line um i figure uh this one with uh there being four of us here it's kind of going to be a little bit different than the previous episodes we're going to kind of bullet point the story a bit more and just kind of you know keep a clear concise discussion or try to so that uh, we can all talk and get our opinions in since there's a lot of us here and uh it's a good book to do that with because story-wise it's uh it's pretty simple to explain i think but um yeah um uh, i guess you kind of get into some uh background info on this one real quick um uh, like i said it's a uh standalone graphic novel came out in june of 2016 uh from dc's vertigo line um it's written by paul dini with art by eduardo rizzo and letters done by todd klein uh paul dini is a renowned writer of like many different mediums and properties he has written comics video games tv shows cartoons and most notably worked on the uh, beloved batman the animated series where he co-created the character harley quinn with uh, bruce tim eduardo rizzo is an argentine artist who is uh, mostly known for his work with brian azzarello on titles like 100 Bullets and Moonshine. Uh, he does a slew of cover work as well and uh, has kind of like a noticeable, uh, malleable style. He does a bunch of different stuff um, in his art. Um, and uh, this book is an autobiographical story about Paul Dini's life covering about a three-month period back in 1993. 
that's a real meta story in which Dini guides us through this time in his life after an uh, inciting incident causes him physical and mental trauma. And uh, while Dini goes through these moments in the story, he uses a narrative device in which he like imagines and interacts with the characters he was working on at the time, which were primarily Batman characters. Um, yeah, so um, uh, I guess we could just kind of go in a circle here if I ask you guys the usual question of uh, what did you um, expect if you had anything, any expectations or anything for this story or if you'd heard of it at all? Um, uh, Elena? Uh, zero knowledge of the story before. You don't think I'd really talked about it that much with nope, you before? No, not at all. Um, didn't realize it was an autobiography, um, and I thought that was kind of neat because I don't think I've ever heard of anybody doing that with a comic book before. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was kind of Definitely unique. not with like a superhero backdrop for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. But yeah. 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 Cool. Cool. Max? Um, I knew the the cover art because it's, it's a really cool cover. Yeah. Um, it's by Rizzo as well. Rizzo. Yeah. Uh, from- <laughs> Shout out to Rizzo. <laughs> uh, where my Riz heads at? Oh There's God. some Riz heads out there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I knew the cover um, from when I worked at the bookstore. And, uh, I didn't know it was an autobiography. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so I, I, I guess I didn't quite know what to expect and I wasn't, but I wasn't really surprised by the way it unfolded. Yeah. Just because yeah. I mean, I, I mean, it, 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 I think from like the first couple pages, you're like, oh yeah, <laughs> what it, <laughs> like what it says is what you get. So. Yeah. Very true. What about you, Brett? Uh, you told me about it a few weeks ago and you told me the plot of it. And that's what I expected. And that's pretty much what it was. What did I say? You, what you said in the intro, basically. Yeah. Oh. And then I said, okay, cool. I was like, I was like, Brett, this book is an autobiographical <laughs> tale about P- Paul Dini's life. <laughs> <laughs> I said, who? And then you can, yeah, that, that's it. Nice. Nice. Well, um, yeah, I don't know. For, for me, uh, I was obviously aware of Paul Dini, um, but hadn't really actually dabbled into like his comic book work before uh, this came out. I knew that he had written some Batman stuff, but I thought it was just kind of like random things. Like I, I knew that he did the Mad Love, uh, you know, graphic novel that won like he wrote the Taylor Swift song. No, no, the Harley Quinn story. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, <clears throat> I will say I didn't know he was the co-creator of Harley Quinn before you just said that. Mm-hmm. I thought it was yeah. just Bruce Tim. <clears throat> no, nope, him and Bruce Tim. Yep. On in. On that, did you see on the new Batman that Bill Finger gets credit now? He does, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's great. Who's Bill Finger? The the other creator of Batman that Oh, along never... with um what was his name? Bob Kane. Bob Kane. Yeah. That's cool. I think that's great. Yeah, it's awesome. I'm glad that he's getting the credit. He deserves. But yeah, fucking uh I don't know. I, I actually I'd heard of this book um <coughs> a, I think it was a couple months before it came out. Um, because of, uh, Paul Dini was on Kevin Smith's and, uh, Mark Bernardin's podcast, uh, Fat Man on Batman. <laughs> this is recent? No, this was from, yeah, this was from 2016. I listened That's to a, recent. a podcast by Kevin Smith where he went episode by episode through Frasier. <laughs> <laughs> he did that? Yeah. Why? It's incredible. I don't know. <laughs> <He was> like, <laughs> I love Frasier. He had like some of the producers and characters on the show there's one of those for uh, amazing there's one of those for bonanza called bananas for bonanza where they every single episode is it kevin smith no it's also kevin smith (laughs) (laughs) um yeah though he has a podcast with mark bernardin um called fat man on batman 
where they just talk mm-hmm. about Batman stuff and talk to Batman creators and, you know, just people associated with the long history of Batman. And, um, they did like a double episode with Paul Dini where, and they just talked about his entire career in one episode. And then the next one was just them talking about this book because he was kind of there to like promote it before it came out and whatnot. And, uh, yeah, no, I just, uh, I loved the the pitch for it and I bought it when it came out. Yeah. I don't know. That about covers it for my background stuff. I guess we can go ahead and, uh, like I said, we'll kind of uh, do the story a little bit different this time around because, um, it's really just like a collection of, you know, <laughs> scenes and conversations. So like we can kind of just discuss what we think, um, as we kind of go in. Um, but, uh, you know, as per usual, uh, spoilers ahead, uh, we will be spoiling the whole book so that we can uh, have a full, well-rounded discussion. Are you guys ready? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> yeah sure all right so this one um uh, we start off and um basically get the the lowdown from paul dini himself the whole story is narrated first person from him so he's like uh telling the story to a group like you know as if he's like in a class or something like that and um he's detailing how he got beat up really bad one night and um this is basically the tale of that and uh it starts off and he kind of goes through um like his childhood, we get a little background info on him and he talks about, uh, you know, how he, ha- he felt like, um, he was like an invisible, invisible. kid. Yeah. And like, uh, you know, he, he, he the way he kind of, uh, he, he got through life was, um, uh, just, he, he, he kind of fell into his imagination and would like, you know, make up stories and, uh, and just loved, um, story crafting in general. That was like <laughs> his escape and the thing that he was really good at. And, um, you know, like his parents were like super supportive of him, but also like, I think it kind of like took over him a bit and like he, he would get like bad grades. So he started seeing a therapist like really early on and whatnot. And, um, he kind of details about like, you know, you get some, some neat scenes where, and basically he's talking about how, um, you know, they, they, they were like, Oh, well, you know, like, do you think that like the characters that you imagine are real? And he's like, you know, no, that's dumb. I just, you know, I just like imagining them. And like, you know, he, he would do it like at any time of the day, like he'd be in church or like, you know, something and imagine like the Looney Tunes playing the piano and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, all this stuff. And, uh, and he, uh, early, early on became infatuated with Batman. Um, because he, uh, I think he said that he, it's detailed in the book where like he goes to like, uh, get his haircut or something. And they had some, uh, old Batman comics and he would like read those and became infatuated with them. And then also like discovered the, um, the old Adam West TV show, which he was like really keen on, you know, and, um, really formative for him. And, uh, as we kind of go on here, I like all the depictions <clears throat> of those, like those characters, like the yeah. Joker with the mustache. Yeah. Yeah. Like the Cesar Romero. Yeah, yeah. It's like, so, um, yeah, I could, I guess I could say too, because, um, I mean, it's done throughout the book, but like, uh, you know, when he's detailing these things, like, you know, it's all these different art styles clashing on like the page. And, um, that's like a hallmark of, uh, Rizzo in this book, like something that he did like really uniquely. And I think it's done really well in this book. Um, cause I mean, you know, you could argue, I guess it's like jarring or something, but I think it's, it's supposed to be, obviously it's like these different things and like, you know, coming. it's in a little his- much at times, but for the most part it works. I think it works. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think for the context of this in, in like an actual single piece, like story that you're supposed to be immersed in. Yeah. It would, you know, but I don't know how he does in that, that, that kind of stuff. But. Yeah. Yeah. I just, uh, I, I think, um, it's, it's kind of, uh, I think it was weird to me when I first read this because it happened so fast 
And I mean, granted, this this is only like a 120 page graphic novel. It's got to fucking get started and end. But like, I was kind of surprised, like, because once you get to the part where he's like, I was an invisible kid, it's like this super stick figure cartoon version of him surrounded by this more like realistic kind of school. And so it's like, it's like, oh, you just jump right into it, like page three or whatever, you know? So it's, uh, it's, it's present throughout the entire book, but, um, I think it works to pretty good effect. Um, but yeah, so we, we get this detail where like, you know, he, uh, he, he quickly kind of, uh, ages up and shows him like, you know, thinking of cartoons, like in, in, in his jobs and whatnot. And, um, you know, he's kind of, uh, working his way into like studios and writing and, uh, he, um, you know, constantly has in the back of his head how, uh, like the old Superman cartoons, he's like, those are great, but like, uh, like this would like Batman would be great, you know, and all this stuff. And then, um, uh, in 1989, Tim Burton's Batman, uh, movie comes out kind of, you know, takes Batman back to like that cool, like, you know, darker kind of style. And, uh, that, you know, makes Warner brothers, um, be like, Oh, we got to capitalize on this. And, uh, um, Bruce, Tim along with, um, uh, wasn't it Eric, uh, Radomski, they uh, they kind of like head like you know the Batman the animated series. I had a question: Who are yeah. the what is the Fleischer Brothers thing they were referring to? In what it was near this scene, Fleischer Brothers Superman or something. He said it in a Fleischer Brothers style. Yeah, yeah, like the the old Superman cartoons from the nineties. No, they were they were before that. Okay. Like um, uh, it, it was it was more around the time of um, they were like old cartoons, I believe. Got it. Yeah, I don't remember I guess what I don't time remember frame those. they're from, but I, I I recognize it just from the art style. Like it didn't look like the '90s Superman. It's was... it's not. Yeah, they're they're, they're old school cartoons. Which, I have a question then. Mm-hmm. Which one of the the his office characters? Which one of those is Bruce? Is Bruce Tim? Bruce Tim is like I think he's in these scenes like where they're all in like the table talking, but like Bruce Tim doesn't really have any like uh, dialogue or anything in this. It's okay. mostly it's mostly with um uh, Alan Burnett. Okay. It was like kind of the original. Um, was Bruce Tim, another writer? Uh, yeah, yeah, a writer and artist. Um, uh, he's kind of like the, you know, big head spear in, in the Batman, the animated series and all those cartoons from WB back in the day. But yeah. So we, we see, I think we see him a little bit, but it's it's more uh, interactions with Alan, at least that for this story's purpose. Um, but yeah, because <gasps> he doesn't go over like the, by the time that this story really kicks in to like the point that we're going to be talking about, it's like, you know, we're already past that point where the series is a go. It's been going for like six months, you know, and, uh, and you know, Harley Quinn and all them, they've already invented that, done that and all that stuff. And, um, they're actually for the bulk of this uh, story, they're working on mask of the phantasm, the movie, which is pretty cool. Great film. Great flick. I don't think I've seen that. I've never seen it. Really? I've never heard of it. We don't like comics. Oh yeah. I really don't think I like comics. (laughs) (laughs) God damn it. It's a very touching story. I recommend it. It's great. Yeah. Is it an animated movie? Mm-hmm. Okay. It like won an Oscar, didn't it? I don't know if it won an Oscar. I think Oscars are for movies. Oh okay. shit! It's a feature film. <laughs> it is a movie. Uh, but like, can it? Can those win Oscars? Yeah, animated films. What are you talking about? I don't know, man. Whatever. <laughs> I don't think, I, I don't I'm think you. I don't, I don't think, know how Oscars work. I don't think you like movies either. <laughs> I like movies. I like Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. You betray your ignorance. <laughs> <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. But yeah, <laughs> so, we, so we go on with this story where like, um, you know, like I said, we set the scene where like, you know, he's he's been working on the Batman show and Tiny Toons Adventures for a while. Um, He t- recently took a trip to Scotland. He comes back to the office and he's got like a bunch of like Batman merch he found there, like, you know, soaps and stuff like that. Then he's like giving them out to like, you know, the people. And uh, 
you know, it's just established like that. Basically, you know, he's, he's working and, uh, you know, thinks he's, thinks he's doing pretty well. And, um, you know, uh, he's, he's like dating this girl and stuff, but this is where we start to kind of see some, uh, hiccup stuff here where he's dating this, um, aspiring actress who, um, not really though. Right. Yeah. Not really. No. Yeah. It's like, um, you know, he ta- he's taking her to like award shows and like, we kind of start to see the cracks and, and Paul Dini is like super honest in this, uh, it's, it's like borderline cringe, but he admits it. He's like, yeah, I was a fucking creep too. Yeah. Like he's, he's like, he's like, yeah, I mean, she made me look good. And like, you know, and I, you know, maybe she didn't like, you know, respond in a way that I did, but I would always justify it in my head that like, you know, it was like basically just saying like, you know, he's, it was realistic for a guy in that position. Like yeah. A young guy who gets to date actresses for some reason, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, and you know, he just doesn't really know how to, how to operate in that or, or operate properly, I guess. Um, uh, cause he doesn't make good decisions and neither does she, but <laughs> basically, um, you know, we, we get this like detail about like, you know, him, him, like, you know, kind of being proud of like his work and whatnot and like how he feels like he's kind of living like the nerd dream kind of thing where it's like, you know, he's making cartoons and he's writing and, uh, you know, he's got a super Nintendo. He's got, he's got video games. Jukebox he, right in his house. Yeah. He's surrounded himself with, uh, with, with nerdy pleasure stuff, you know, and he, and he's like, this is all I need, you know, and all that stuff. And, uh, um, you know, we, we kind of see that, uh, throughout his life and up to this point, like he's, he's been seeing therapists, like that's just a regular thing that he does. And, um, you know, we, we get a therapy session with him wherein he's talking about how he's going on like a date with this girl tonight. And, uh, again, we see more cracks where basically like, you know, she had, uh, kind of ditched him for like, a. a something previously and how upset he was and he's immediately justifying it to the therapist because she's like weren't you like so upset about that though and then he's like yeah but you know i mean we all make mistakes and uh and like you know he's just he's just desperate for approval and attention i guess um for the most part is how i can describe it um but so we uh we kind of cut forward and um this is probably one of the most interesting scenes in the book is the actual date that he goes on um with this girl named viv uh, wherein basically the whole conversation is like very one-sided, you know, she's, she's obviously like trying to, you know, you can't really blame her. She's trying to, you know, climb the ladder and like, you know, further a career and whatnot. But like, um, Paul is just kind of like responding very like short with her and just kind of letting her go on. And, um, he, this is where we get the first time he like imagines, um, uh, Bruce Wayne there, like, you know, ladies, man, Bruce Wayne, like talking to him and, and, uh, he kind of like gives him shit. And he like, and he just kind of tells him to go away. And, uh, then basically it becomes like it, it through the conversation, you know, like she's like, she's getting drunker and she's just like, she's just like, Oh, like, you know, like, um, but tell me, how have you been? I've been, I've been talking too much. And then he, she asks him if there's someone that he's seeing, like implying that they're not like together, you know? And, um, and he even comes out and he's like, he's like, now the rational thing would be to say, would be to pay the check, get up and be like, I thought we were seeing each other obviously that's not the case have a good night or whatever you know and he's like but i didn't do that and basically he uh says that he <laughs> he was like he was like no there's not really anyone you know i mean like i just uh fucking well, simp yeah well maybe maybe there's someone i don't know you know and uh and uh <laughs> like um this whole time too i love that uh like like poison ivy's giving him shit and and like uh, you know the villains are there and like appearing in his mind and like anytime like this negative kind of emotive thing like comes up like the villains are always there to like represent a different aspect of like things that he like 
you know, wants to give into and like his personality or things that like, you know, are more than negative things. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I don't know. what do you guys think about this whole interaction thing? Like, cause it's kind of just like the setup for like the fall. I mean, the, it was a date. Uh, yeah. Unpleasant. Yeah. Awkward. I think it's by this point too. Like you realize like, I mean, like if you hadn't from like the first couple of like scenes of just him kind of quickly going through how he grew up and whatnot, like, uh, this is a very like honest telling at least, um, of like his life and things, because I mean, obviously like, I mean, you could argue like in a lot of this book, like he's not even like depicted as like a very great guy. And I yeah. think that Paul like has said in interviews too, he's just like, he's just like, I don't think that I, you know, I mean, I'm showing the things that I am self-conscious about myself in this book and, and I'm, and I'm not that guy anymore, you know? And like, there's, it's, there, there's the narration at the same time, which like is admitting like this wasn't the right thing to do, yeah. I, you know, but then the character's doing it. So, I mean, it works. Um, in that sense, but yeah, I mean, the date's weird. She's just like, so do you know Steven Spielberg? Yeah. Yeah. She's asking him all this stuff, you know, and it's a, yeah, it's the whole thing is just awkward from every angle, basically just uncomfortable. Yeah. They're, they're both using each other for different reasons. It's really weird. Yeah. Very unhealthy. Very unhealthy. And then you got fucking poison Ivy yelling at him and the Joker throwing a pie in his face and stuff. Um, Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> good one so you know Thank um you. uh basically they get up and um uh you know he's walking her to her car and um she's like oh you know uh, do, do you want me to drop you off at home and he's like he's like no like you know i uh I, I i need to go back this way anyway it's not too far and blah 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 and i don't think he admits it at this exact moment but he does say later that um he was kind of doing that to make her jealous yeah. Like to, to basically say like, oh, well maybe he's meeting someone like, you know, or whatever, like after the fact. So it's like, you know, he's, he's playing into the, the whole, you know, kind of vindictive kind of angle here. And, um, this ends up leading to the inciting incident, which is definitely the, he, he does play that. Like he felt guilty thing up a lot when really it's like, she didn't give a fuck. Like yeah. you're saying that, like you, you were you were being kind of shitty, but not really like, yeah. Like, did she even, did she even notice at all? Yeah. Like, did she even notice? Like, no, I mean, like, but but I think his point is that like, that wasn't, I mean, it wasn't the right thing to say, but it's like, also that really didn't matter. Like to wear that as the guilt. um, Yeah. I think that's someone. Oh, go ahead. Next. It's someone who's, you know, in their head a lot and, and, uh, overthinks the littlest things. Yeah. Um, a lot of the story is like kind of frustrating for me because it's 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 um it's him micro analyzing things. It's like really that. like indulgent of of little things, you know. Yeah, and that's something about myself that is really annoying. Oh so. yeah, no, I'm I'm I, I feel the same way a lot of the time. Like I mean, you know, it's just you fixate on things, and you know, it's this is a stereotype because I think everybody goes through this. Maybe not to this degree as like the story does, but like you know, the idea of like. Uh, it's like a stereotype at this point, but people are always like, oh, you know, I'm trying to sleep. But then I remember this thing that I did in ninth grade that it was embarrassing. And then like, you know, I think like, oh, everybody hates me or something, you know, like that's like, that's just, like every five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, See, I'm a big picture guy. I, I breeze through 10 years or so. Then I look back and no, say, just how'd that go? Brett just had a good life. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't complain. Barely <laughs> <laughs> had to use my AK. Your what? Good breath. I, ice cube. Ice cube reference. Oh, I don't get it. Cube ref. Check it out if you guys haven't heard. Ice Cube. 
Okay. Yeah, this podcast. We'll throw is, our we'll throw our clout at Ice Cube. This podcast is sponsored <laughs> sponsored by Ice Cube's. Had a good day. Cube, Cube, <laughs> like, Cube if you're like, listening. Pretty, pretty good shout out. Pretty good song. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all heard of Ice Cube? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. But no, yeah, that I mean, this it's it's a it hits a little too close to home. Yeah, and but, it's frustrating because of that. Yeah. Uh, because on the outside, you know, I mean, it's, it's the exact same thing where he's looking back, seeing it, you know, yeah. being like, you're a dumb dumb. I think that so, adds to like, you know, I mean like, is it a good frustration or is it like a tense suspenseful kind of frustration or are you just it's, like, it's like, uh, it makes you anxious. It, yeah. It makes yeah. me anxious. Cause I'm like, I'm aware that it's, you know, he's doing the thing that I do. Yeah. And I'm like, stop doing that. You don't realize it. You fool, you know? But he's doing it, he's doing it in a way that's making him money because he's like putting it out to the world in an artistic form. Yeah. I guess I shouldn't say making him money, but it's probably therapeutic in some way to. Oh, you can tell by the way, by how detailed he gets into that, those feelings like. Yeah. It's definitely therapeutic. This like isn't just him dwelling in his head, even though that's what it, it looks like. This, this idea, is him telling the whole world about it. This idea, like, I mean, this goes into overall thoughts a little bit more, but like this yeah. idea could have been super hack. Like, I think um, just the concept, like it's like, I'm going to utilize these characters and like, but tell like my own traumatic story or whatever, you know, but like with how much he goes into his thought process, I'm like, nah, he, he had some shit to say you know i mean like it, it like it's you know it feels real like i mean i connect with it better because of those things like you know that i can kind of latch on to and it, it makes it less about like if he just told the story bullet point wise i just be like well i've never been mugged i don't know you know like i mean like it, it it doesn't hit as hard but in this way of him presenting it i think that you can i mean i can relate it to things in my life you know like what he goes through afterwards at least you know i mean it's i don't know yeah, I I'll, I have some stuff for that, but I'll save it for overall. Yeah, thoughts. yeah, yeah. I got you. Um, I'm gonna know. stick to the format. <laughs> Fine, <laughs> <laughs> but but no, I I, I would say uh, just to your point, Max, of the uh, kind of it being like a, this anxious kind of frustrating. I'd say it's like unnerving, but for me, it's yeah, it's uncomfortable, but it's like it's it's engrossing enough that like I'm like oh yeah I want to read the rest or whatever and see what goes on you know um but yeah anyway so <laughs> back to it so he's walking down the street right and um uh basically this I mean I could just sum it up real quick like uh he, he gets mugged by two guys like out of nowhere and uh it's like super uh, like uncomfortable to read <laughs> the, um, the, the this mugging scene is awful <laughs> yeah uh I mean he details everything it's like you know he in the story, like if you hear him tell it, like in interviews and stuff, it's like he only saw one guy's face. So we only really see one of the guy's face. We hear them say a bunch of profane shit at him. Uh, you know, they fucking attack him. They try to kick his knee out, but he uh, try to kick his kneecap out, but he moves his leg just enough to where like they just bruise his thigh. But, you know, they, they fuck him up real bad. And, you know, yeah, you can you can tell that this was something that he has thought about every day. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I was I was shocked at um uh the fuck words being in there. Oh, the vertigo. Uh I guess I didn't cuz cuz we had just read um fucking mature readers boys. We had just read White Knight and and I had read that Sean Murphy was told he couldn't swear. Is that the one with the penis? Where you see bat penis? No. No. 
Which one was that? <laughs> we talked. That's, that's, that's Batman the Dark Dan. Dick. It's Batman Dan. We'll get to it, Brad. I love that one. That's the Dark You dick. love that one. I love it. I got the dick. I love the frame I've seen. I got the dick. Let me see. Can we stop talking about dicks? <laughs> Is there a vagina in it, too? For the ladies? <laughs> vagina? No. No. Come on. So, DC announces a new vagina line. <laughs> Is there with, only... Get with perf- the times, DC. Is there only profanity in the Vertigo books? They don't have those in like normal DC comics. Oh no, they bleep it out or. Well, that's what I was saying because because we just read White Knight and they said you can't swear. I didn't know that. And then in this, they're like fucking busting out slurs and everything. No kids yeah. allowed. Yeah, but it's also not canonically anything, yeah. right? So maybe there's a gray area there. <clears throat> yeah, like it's all it's all it's it's a true story mixed with imagination. Yeah, so. Yeah, he's just licensed certain characters that aren't like, yeah, you know, I don't know, actually doing anything. Yeah. 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 So, you know. The, it's like uh, when they have Bugs Bunny on a t-shirt, like, all, <laughs> like, doing Scarface or and something. And it says, like, if you see the police, warn a brother. Yeah, exactly. You couldn't do that. You couldn't do that <laughs> in a Looney fuck? Tunes cartoon, but on a t-shirt. It's badass. It's fair game. Remember that one I sent you guys of like fucking Bugs Bunny spanking? Like, <laughs> it was like a t-shirt on eBay. It just got recommended to you for some yeah. reason. Yeah. What were you looking at? Not you, said, you said, oh, I do like that. <laughs> Click, uh, send me more things like this. Remember when you sent me that link, though, then it just suggested Bulba a ton Bunny? of t-shirts like that fucking for me. Afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, God damn it. That is the danger of clicking on those. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so like, yeah, the, we get this, you know, brutal mugging scene. It's super graphic and, you know, it basically ends with like after they, you know, mess him up, take his wallet, whatever. Um, They tell him that he's going to die and to close his eyes and wait for it. And he has this moment of, you know, thinking of his family and uh, he opens his eyes and they're gone and they left. And, uh, you know, he kind of musters up the strength to kind of like get up and he starts to walk home. Uh, they do, <laughs> he doesn't counter them when he walks, when he, uh, crosses the street again, they, they, you know, speed past him in their car and yell some more shit at him. And is that supposed to be the same two guys? It is the same guys. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, no, it's, it's, it's a really bad night, <laughs> but so, you know, he gets home and he's kind of monologuing inside about how, like, you know, uh, you know, how he doesn't want to go to the hospital and whatnot. And now he's like, I just need to get home. Just need to get home. And, uh, he goes home and, uh, he has this very, uh, poignant line where he talks about how, um, the worst thing about going home that he knew was that there would be no one there waiting for him to say like, Oh my God, what happened? Or whatever. It's, he is just surrounded by toys and comics and things like that. You know, there is a real, uh, takedown of being, being, a a guy who likes to collect toys. <laughs> well, I think he still does that, but it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's more just like the idea of like, he was, that was the, that's what you got. He was, <laughs> no one will be with him because he's got so many toys. <laughs> I don't think I got, that's, I got this book. This book promotes working and not having toys. <laughs> yeah. So basically he, uh, he calls the police, um, who, you know, come and, uh, they go back to the scene and, you know, I'm, uh, there's kind of a, a funny, not so funny part where um, uh, they find a receipt on the lawn that they had ripped out from his jacket from the restaurant that they went to. Um, and uh, he's like, he's like, can you, uh, yeah, yeah, do you want to dust for prints? And the cops basically just like, 
that's okay. <laughs> like, you know, like that's not, you know, it's not how it is in the, in the movies and whatnot. And said, uh, Batman would have dusted for prints. Yeah. He said Batman would have dusted for prints. <laughs> so like, you know, they're taking his stuff down and they're not exactly, um, you know, unsympathetic, but the underlying tone of the cops is basically like, we're, there's no way we're going to find these dudes. You know, I mean, like you, you just count your blessings that you're, that you Alive. survived. Yeah. That you, that you've survived. And, you know, they're driving him home and they're like, Oh, do you need to go to a hospital or whatever? And he's like, he's like, no, fine. I'll just call a friend and go tomorrow or whatever. And, uh, they even ask him like, uh, uh one of the more painful moments when they're like, they're like, Oh, so you work on cartoons or whatever. And he's like, yeah, they're like, which ones? And he's like Batman. And they're just like, Oh, it's too bad. He wasn't here tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you're like, fuck, that's fuck fucked up. Fuck these guys. Anyway. Um, so he goes home and, uh, he calls, he calls Viv who immediately <laughs> like turns it back on herself basically. And is like, he's like, oh, you know, like I almost got mugged once and blah, blah, blah. And he's just like, thanks. And like, just hangs up. And uh, he ends up calling uh, Arlene Sorkin, the voice and the inspiration for Harley Quinn. Is that his sister? No. Who's that then? She's an actress. Is she the wife of Aaron Sorkin, the famed writer and director of The West Wing? <clears throat> Starring Martin Sheen? I don't know. I don't think so. Oh, might be. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, she's the voice and inspiration of Harley Quinn. And, hey, uh, Puddin. Yeah. God. <laughs> and, um, uh, uh, yeah, she's basically like, oh, do you want my, my boyfriend to come drive you? Like, like he said he'd take you, you know? And, and he's like, I haven't met him yet. I don't want to <gasps> fucking make him sit three hours in an emergency room with me in the middle of the night. Like, you know, it's, it's fine. I'll go tomorrow. And he basically just like drinks himself and like sits in a bath, which ends up making his condition way fucking worse. And, uh, he has this whole scene in where, um, he imagines himself in the Batcave in a Lazarus pit, and uh, he just immediately becomes really disillusioned with the idea of Batman. Like he's like, "What's a Lazarus pit?" Lazarus pit? Yeah, it's what Ra's al Ghul uses. It's like it's like it has healing properties, and it can like make you immortal. Okay, you remember? Oh, okay. Remember like, when the Joker killed Jason Todd? Killed Robin? Uh, well, he killed Robin, and then it's a Robin, show about people who don't like comics. They wrote ha 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 on the suit. He might have. And then, and then he Leto made, did. Then Damaged? someone put Jason Todd in the Lazarus pit, uh-huh. and he came out, but he was fucking crazy and mad. And then he was the Red Hood, like Bucky, like Bucky. Yes, I see. Not at all. But uh, think I, of, think I of seem, Jesus. I seem to have movies. I like watching Max explain it. Think about Jesus, but if Jesus had come out from the cave with like a fucking gun, <laughs> I see. Huh? and Jesus wouldn't have shown his dick. <laughs> Yeah, so, so you know, Paul Dini, he, he, yeah, he, 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 we established here that like he's he's thinking about like the idea of Batman and how just like he's like essentially being like, oh, it's like it's ridiculous, it's childish, and he he can't find himself to like justify thinking about Batman right now or or anything like that because he's just like the real world just fucking smacked him across the face, you know. I did like, to, I mean, well, uh, I guess jumping ahead a little bit, but oh, it ahead. ties in with his. The whole like he's he's viewing himself as a coward who got mugged doing something stupid and thinking how how dare I write Batman? You know, like I have no right to do that. Yeah, I think I think it 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 go, it borders more on the line of like him just not believing in like the idea of Batman or being like this is childish. This the real world's not like that. 
really type of thing. I so think I get more of that impression. That's what I got. Or yeah, to the extent where he's like, I don't give a fuck about this right now. Yeah. yeah. I viewed it but more you, as, as, sorry, you go, Elena. No, hey, it's okay. I mean, I've thought about the same, like he experienced a really traumatic event in his life and <sighs> that felt more real than the comic book characters he was writing. So I don't like knocked him into reality. Type yeah. Of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I got much more like, like, uh, I think it's about time you get mugged, Nick. Oh my god! <laughs> I just sell all the fucking books Fuck. and shit. <laughs> I'm kidding. That was a dark thing to say, but it was. Yeah, don't sorry. mug me, listeners. Uh, uh, I hope you don't get mugged. I take it back. Yeah, I don't, I've, get, mugged. I, don't get mugged. Don't get mugged. <laughs> <laughs> Every time before I go outside now. <laughs> really um, insensitive. <laughs> uh, yeah, I saw. We're just goofing. We're just goofing. <laughs> You're like, Jesus, I'll stop talking about your penis if I don't get mugged. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Jesus. Um, but no, I, I saw it like totally as uh, he viewed himself as not worthy, not worthy of writing like, you know, like I, I did something that Batman would never do. So who am I to write Batman? I You're probably you're probably right. Like Batman I, does I think, like talk shit to him. <laughs> like later the point in the of this is like the multitude of feelings that happens after something like this that he's pr- trying to get out. And that's probably part of it yeah. as well as, you know, it's like you use this art to release all these different feelings that you really can't describe any other way. Yeah. But he had to like, I mean, spoilers for him, but he has to like find his way back through that. Like that's what the journey of the book is. Basically it's like overcoming trauma and not letting it define you. You know, what he could have done. Pull himself up by his bootstraps. That's what Batman. He kind of does. Yeah, the Batman tells him to do that. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, so like in the uh, kind of disillusioned state that he's in, um, he actually imagines like you know the 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 vengeance kind of stage where like uh, he imagines like the car going and uh, Batman like swooping in and stopping them and like kicking their ass and stuff and uh, you know, uh, so he goes he kind of goes to bed and. Um, uh, thinks about like him. He has this, this interesting interaction, which I think is like one of the big pinpoints of the book with two face, um, wherein like he sees like how his face is messed up, you know? And, uh, two face is basically exclaiming to him that like, Oh, like, you know, you were a cowardice kind of person, like not as great as you presented yourself to be. Now you look that way on the outside, like me, you know, that type of thing. And, uh, it's an interesting kind of, I don't know. I feel like Two-Face is probably one of the better um, because I mean like we were saying every villain kind of is this different aspect of like you know his personality like dragging him down or like the negative thoughts dragging him down. I think that Two-Face is one of the better ones um, in terms of just the conversation they have even though it's pretty short. It's only like you know a couple pages or whatever but like um, it's really interesting and artistically it's pretty cool too. I've always loved how like depictions of Two-Face are 50-50 if like he's like just a little lumpy and purple or like fucking horrifying, like his eyeballs hanging out. And yeah, <laughs> that's part of the dichotomy of Two Face. They flip a coin before they draw him. <laughs> this is this is trademark Christopher Nolan Two Face. By the way, yeah, I was gonna ask Nick: Is there was was the Dark Knight the first time that like a really graphic like uh, his face is burned off and his like eyeballs popping out? That's the first I've seen him like. Was that, that the first of Two Face like that? No. Uh, you ever read uh, Arkham Asylum? Yeah, Serious House on Serious Earth. Mm-hmm. I, I flipped through it, but I've never read it. So he's pretty messed up in that. <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones creates the character, and then then that <laughs> what you're talking about happened. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, that was it. That was it. We owe a lot to old, to old Tommy Lee. Sure do. Not bad. Yeah, good drummer. Um, so like, have <laughs> you heard the stories that he fucking hated Jim Carrey? Yeah, yeah, we talked That's about true. it a lot. He That's seems really like a, funny. He seems like a dick. He's he's a funny daddy. I love that. Um, it was a, it, Jim Carrey's told that story a lot where he saw him at a restaurant or whatever. But like, there's the one. I love the version that he tells when he's on that. He was on the Norm Macdonald show mm-hmm. and he's just like, he's like, did I ever tell you about the time that I came up? And he's like, and he's like, he like came up and they were like, oh, uh, Mr. 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 Jones is uh, having dinner. I'm, uh, I heard that you're working together. Would you like to say hello? And, uh, and he's like, oh yeah, I'll go over. And he goes over and he's like, hey, Tommy, how's it going? And he's just like, like hysterically laughing and he just like puts his arm around him. He's like, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I think and he said, I cannot. Is- I cannot sanction your buffoonery. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Oh my gosh. He he sucked in that role. Like he oh, was yeah. trying to out Jim Carrey, fucking Jim Carrey, and like blew it. Well, yeah, you can't do that. He should he he could have done he's such a good actor. Like he could have been serious two faced. He was trying to be giggly fucking Riddler. Yeah. That sucked. Yeah, it sucks. That's my review. Oh yeah, I agree. Like and subscribe. <laughs> Anyway, so uh, basically the next day, um, Arlene Sorkin comes over, uh, you know, and they talk and whatnot. He ends up going to the doctor. Um, You know, they tell him like, you know, like like one of his facial bones, like his cheekbones is like powdered on impact or something like it's like it's a really bad beating, you know, and um, they they recommend him to go into a specialist and he's got to have like facial reconstruction surgery like the day after tomorrow. Um, And he actually like has a pretty like cavalier attitude here. He, he ends up going into work. He's like, he's like, Oh, I'll just put some sunglasses and a hat on and I'll, I'll go into work, let him know what's going on. And, uh, you know, tell him I gotta go to surgery and all this stuff. And, uh, you know, he goes in and, uh, he sees, he sees, he imagines Batgirl on the elevator with him. And I guess that is one of the expectations that I had looking at the cover. I <laughs> thought he would have been like maimed, you know, like, I thought he was like in a car wreck or something and he oh, almost died. Yeah. Oh, just because in the yeah, because in the cover he's depicted with all the bandages on him and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Not to um, downplay what happened, but I he does have that stuff on his head at like, the at the beginning, like the first panel when he shows because he says the thing the about having, man. having the handle on his head yeah. and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, here with, it's more post surgery, I guess is the is the uh, look of the how he is on the cover. So he goes into his office and uh, you know the the workers and whatnot. Um, had like drawn a bunch of like caricatures for him, like get well cards and stuff for, you know, and all that stuff. And, uh, he, uh, he even makes a crack at one of the guys where, um, uh, they're like, they're like, they're like, man, like, you know, like, yeah, you look pretty, you look pretty bad. And, uh, he's like, oh yeah, you should have seen the other guys like trying, like he's, he's got this like false confidence almost like he's not really, hasn't really accepted what happened, I guess at this point. Um, you know, having going into work like the very next day and whatnot, it's it, it's it's a little odd after something like that. Um, I love to that panel where the Joker's behind him after he says like, "Oh, but you should see the other guys like um or what the other guys got." And uh, the Joker says his wallet and most of his dignity. <laughs> I will say, um, I had a pretty severe injury a couple years ago, and would you stub your toe? <laughs> you saw the Joker. I <laughs> yeah. Had, um, no. Well, I am the most like Joker, so like, of course, I saw him. But so fucked. You're the no. biggest goof. <laughs> but no, like, it, it, in the moment, I was like, "Oh, this hurts. This hurts a lot." And then I calmed down, and you know, like, I got home, and I was like, "It's probably okay." 
And then Bronwyn, my wife, made me go to the doctor and he was like, no, it's fucked up. And then after that, I was like, oh, yeah, it's fucked up. You know, so it, it I, I can body. understand this where like it, it took him a minute and it took a medical professional, <laughs> you know, to to be like, hey, this is pretty severe. This is pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. So like be like that. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, you know, and trauma works in weird ways as well, too. You know, I mean, like sometimes it's like grief with like the acceptance kind of being like the first thing. Uh, but yeah, like so, you know, he sits in on this meeting and they're talking about, you know, their scenes for the Mask of the Phantasm. And, you know, he's like, oh, you got most of the Joker scenes and blah, blah, blah. And you know, he's like, oh, yeah, I'll get on that. Like after I, uh, you know, do the surgery and all that stuff. And um, basically, like, you know, he's sitting like in his office and whatnot. And, uh, one of the guys in the office invites him out to the bar sometime. He's like, Oh, let me buy you a drink sometime. And he's like, yeah, sure. And, uh, this is where we get like his first, like real, uh, conversation where he imagines talking to Batman and, uh, Batman is like basically from the get go, like super hard on him, you know, and like tells him like, you know, stop using this as a crutch and like, you know, and justification for procrastination. And like, you know, and he's like, he tells him like, you know, you were, you were ignoring the obvious signs and stuff. And, um, uh, Paul basically just like argues with him and he ends up kind of like disappearing. And, uh, which is indicative of like his phase at this point in the book where like, you know, he kind of just loses touch with, uh, what, what we were talking about earlier. And when Brett kind of said it best, where like, he's just like, I don't, uh, I don't care about this shit right now. Like I have to deal with this stuff, you know? And, um, yeah. So, you know, we, we kind of get this scene where he's, uh, He's going along and uh, we get him back like where he has the surgery and he's talking about how he's afraid of shots and uh, like <laughs> who, who, who here likes shots? Yeah. <laughs> but, like not he me, imagines man. like not me. He basically uh-uh. imagines like all the villains being like a part of like the surgical procedure type stuff like Scarecrow's giving him the shots and Joker's like, oh, I'm going to redesign your face and all this stuff. And, uh, you, know, it's, you know, I do like how almost every single time uh it, it, I guess it really only happens with the Joker, but he like changes like what era or like what depiction. Yeah. Like yeah. there's like the Dark Knight Joker. There's the Cesar Romero Joker. Yeah. It's what fun. is this one with the shaved sides? I don't know. I think it's just like Rizzo's like kind of depiction. Maybe. Yeah. I, that's I did, kind of the one that's on the cover. Yeah. I did read um, Paul did say. I guess Poison Ivy is different. This yeah. Time too. There's a good butt shot we just turned right to. <laughs> Paul did say in some See, interviews. She's on it too. Elena's on it too. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> but Paul did say in some of the interviews and whatnot um, about this story that um he purposefully didn't want uh, Rizzo to like draw them in like the animated series style or like the style that he's known for because he's like, this is like supposed to be different and like, you know, like not like indicative of like this specific time or anything it's more just like you know what's going on in my head and whatnot what is his style well like the animated series is what he meant oh what the, wait wait uh, who who drew know, the characters I for see. the series bruce so, tim yeah, rizzo bruce is tim. the artist on this yes and he drew for the animated series too no no okay. he, he was just saying like that was paul's like direction to him was like do like your own kind of thing with the characters, but just don't make them look like the ones that I'm associated with most of the time. Like, you know, like he's, he's saying he wanted it to be different. Like, you know, for a few, you know, you said Bruce, Tim, 
Who's the artist? I like that because yeah, like, Bruce Timm was like the like design like and whatnot of I, the, this character. cartoon Batman and Superman where they've got the huge square chins and the huge square shoulders and like you know their their chests are huge and their waist and like legs are like real, really real narrow. That's like, that's them. I like it because the ones that he would think of would be the ones that other people drew previously. You know, yeah, that wouldn't have, have inspired or like an amalgamation of those styles and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah stuff I think he's pulling from for his stories. Yeah, I think it works. And then like uh, like we were saying, too, Poison Ivy's there and she's there to like degrade him about about how there's there's nobody nobody there with him or nobody sending flowers and things like that. And um, uh, kind of uh, we get this. S- one of the other more disturbing scenes in the book. So, um, he, she's kind of like recounting and talking to him about this time where, um, uh, he was dating this other woman and they're talking about, um, this other this model, part, model this, actress. This really part really took me by surprise. Yeah. Yeah. It took me by surprise too. When I first read it. Well, every time I read it. Um, but basically, uh, he's going on about like how he had a very similar relationship as he did with Viv, um, before where, you know, he was taking this girl to award shows and like bragging about her and all this stuff. And, um, uh, he had invited her to the Emmys. Um, but when she found out that they weren't going to be televised, she said she didn't want to go with him. And, uh, he ended up winning, um, for Tiny Toons Adventures. This and, is another, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, go ahead. Indicative of like this being a true story. It's kind of weird pacing to introduce a new girl at this point. Yeah. You know, like, I, I guess I don't know what I'm trying to say, but like in a, in a, you know, one, two, three story, it would have been the same girl that that would have represented yeah. that kind of thing. And apparently Paul did say to, um, I think on the, uh, fat man on Batman interview that he did streamline, uh, some of the events and people, cause there were obviously more people involved in his life and whatnot, who he would talk to or had, you know, conversations with, but he would dwindle it down to just like one, just for the impact or something like, you know, with, with whoever. And, uh, um, yeah, I mean like, uh, you know, so yeah, it is kind of interesting that he would introduce a, another girl at that point. But I mean, if it was a different girl, then I guess, you know, makes it, it almost actually adds a little element. Like it's like, Oh, he's done this before. Like, yeah, you know, like, true, I mean, true. yeah, he's doing it again. Yeah. Or, like it's like, it's a cycle of things that he hasn't broken yet. Or then you'd go to the rule of threes and do one more. That is the rules. The rules of threes. If we're going by the rules of threes. Well, if you're going to go by the rules, go by the the rule of threes. The rules of threes is where, like, you want to have, like, the object that you want, like, the picture of. That's photography. On, like, the left or the right. I'm talking about comedy. Elena, what do you think? Oh. Three or two? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of of times, three is bigger than two. So, like, if you're not doing one, you're doing three. That's all I'm saying. You know, a lot of people are going to tell you that three is bigger than two, but, you know. What are we talking about? (laughs) You know, actually. I don't know if you guys have heard about this, but did you hear why six is afraid of seven? Oh my God. <gasps> seven, eight, nine. No Holy way. shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, stupid. Episode 10, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Done. So anyway, let's get back to this very serious scene where a man cuts himself. Um, so, uh, <laughs> But basically, no, it, it is it is pretty fucked up. So, like, um, you know, he wins this Emmy and whatnot, and Poison Ivy's just fucking talking down to him. And uh, it revealed that, like, he, like, cut himself up, like, all over his body and, like, kind of mutilated himself that night. And, like, you that, know, and it's like... I didn't even take it as literal until way later. Because that's, like, too weirdly artistic to there's a cut part, yourself up with an Emmy. Yeah. 
there's a part earlier where Poison Ivy says your scars have he- healed nicely. And I remember being confused because I was like, well, the accent or he hasn't been mugged yet. Yeah. What's she talking about? Mm-hmm. Foreshadowing. I thought, I thought it was um like w- as it was three. happening, I thought it was just like in his head, like he wanted to do it or something. Yeah. Until you get to that next panel where he's like, God damn it. And yeah. he like and he wraps himself up and you're I, like, I almost yeah. still in I almost still don't believe that he cut himself with a, an Emmy in real life. Like, that's just such a weird think symbolic about, thing. Think about the headspace he was in, though. If he would, if if he was trying to, you know, delude himself that these these actresses wanted to be with him because he was a successful cartoon writer, you know, and then he's not on TV, so she doesn't go. And then he wins the Emmy and he comes home and he's looking at himself and he's like, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I, I guess I've just never, uh, you know, it's just so, so, so specific. Yeah. But then maybe that is um what makes you know that's a real that was that's what makes it a real story that is interesting. Yeah. i didn't think about like the symbolic quite as much because i was just kind of drawn into what was happening i thought it was just symbolism like yeah so. i think the first time i read it i i thought it was when i saw him starting to do it in the panels i was like oh this is like a metaphorical type thing maybe and then it was like oh no it's not you know i don't know what do you think about that elena I kind of disassociated a bit just because I know a lot of people who used to self-harm themselves. So it was just uncomfortable. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's super uncomfortable. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Again, it's one of those moments like, uh, you know, if you're like going along with the story and whatnot, I think you disassociate with the reality of it just because it is like a, you know, say colorful comic book and whatnot. And then this kind of like slams you back in and. It just, I don't know. It makes me connect with it a bit more, even if I don't relate to the specifics, just because of the fact that it's like, it's like, oh shit. Well, I mean, he's talking about this stuff. Like, it's like, that's, it's incredibly uh, open of him. It's pretty brave. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I would say so. I mean, you know, especially this is like factoring in his head. So, you know, um, <clears throat> basically he goes through with the surgery. Um, he wakes up and his sister's there. Um, you know, and she's kind of like, you know, like, oh, mom and dad, like, you know, worried. I'm, uh, you know, and uh, she's like, I'm going to stay with you, you know, um, and make sure you, you're all right and all this stuff. And, uh, you know, he kind of um, she brings him this doll of a bird, like cartoon bird. And uh, he kind of starts to interact with it, like how he has with like all the other like characters in his head, like over. <laughs> Stop. Zooming <laughs> in on weird like <laughs> frames. <laughs> It's his sister peering around the corner, smiling like a goof. I did notice that actually in my last reread. I was like, I was like, that's a weird face right there. There's like, a lot. Know, I've been zooming in on a yeah. lot of weird faces. <laughs> like, so, you know, he's imagined this like cartoon bird, you know, it's and it's not Woody the Woodpecker. It's not Woody the Woodpecker. Is it a bird from like a show or something? No, it's actually a made up character because he couldn't use Woody the Woodpecker on there. Oh. It's was Ivan- Woody the Woodpecker a cartoon in the 90s? I think it actually was. I don't know. I remember Woody I thought the it was Woodpecker. Like the 60s. Did you ever Maybe. watch the movie? No. <laughs> Who voiced Woody the Woodpecker? I don't remember. Wasn't it like, was it like a live action movie yeah. recently? Oh yeah. Like when they did Rocky and Bullwinkle? Yeah, Race talks about it. He watched it. Race likes Marmaduke, so. Who doesn't like Marmaduke? <laughs> I like Marmaduke as like a concept. Who doesn't like Marmaduke? <laughs> <laughs> I like the Anyone idea. Anyone under 60. <laughs> I, like, I like the idea of liking Marmaduke as a concept. 
<laughs> it just just wasn't executed well. <laughs> you're you're waiting for the payoff. <laughs> it just doesn't deliver on that great premise <laughs> of a confused big dog no. that gets himself into funny situations. Did they make a secret squirrel live action movie? Because that would have been badass. I just imagine it's like I don't this. Think so? It's this dour noir tale. Yeah, it's like I am Secret Squirrel. It's like Mission Impossible Secret Squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> I am Vengeance. I am the Night. Secret Squirrel. And Morocco Mall shows the yeah. fuck. It shows his fucking hat with the fucking eyes cut out, but it's like just sitting on an empty stool. You're like calling this. In. This is gonna happen in the next ten years. And it's like it's like Mission Impossible <laughs> and like Morocco Mole. Like in the end, he's the one who betrayed the team. Oh, never. And like he never. has to like shoot Morocco Mole. And he like falls off the back of a train. But then they could do. It. But then they could do like a. Uh, they could do like a Harry Potter four thing where it turns out that like he's like Mad Eye Mooney, but the real Mad Eye Mooney was in the hold the whole time. But then for the rest of the series, you're really confused because you're supposed to have this attachment, or they assume you have an attachment to Mad Eye Mooney. But it's like I didn't know that Mad Eye Mooney. I just okay. knew fucking Doctor Who Mad Eye Mooney. The we whole talked time. about this recently. You haven't actually seen the Mission Impossible movies, but that's them. What like. Fucking like 19 times a character like pulls a mask off their face and they're like, I'm actually this Scooby-Doo guy. moment? <clears throat> yeah. And they're like, what? Char- Char- Charlie's Angels moment. <clears throat> oh, Drew Barrymore. Um, I th- fuck. Uh, cool. She was, cool she was LL Cool J. LL Cool J. <laughs> that was weird. What? The first scene of uh, Charlie's Angels, the, uh, the Make G masterpiece. Yeah. It's been a while for me. It's a great film. You're telling me that Cameron Diaz is dressed up as LL Cool J? Drew Barrymore. No, Drew Barrymore. Excuse me? Yes. Yeah. Did that movie win an Oscar for best makeup? It should have. <laughs> it was just LL Cool J. <laughs> <laughs> it was just LL Cool J. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they did like Looper. <laughs> She's you very more a fucking LL Cool J. She's young LL Cool J. <laughs> I'm gonna let that one slide. <laughs> Snow full throttle. I was about to say snow full throttle. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, so Paul's in the hospital, um, uh, you know, and uh, the cartoon bird, um, you know, is coming alive, talking to him, trying to make jokes and stuff, like how he usually interacts with, you know, things in his imagination, and he uh, very clearly says that um, he doesn't believe in it, and it turns back into the uh, doll. And like, so, you know, there's more symbolism in the fact that like, you know, he's kind of losing touch with his imagination and what he's good at and what makes him happy. Doesn't see a point in it anymore. Um, you know, we cut back and we see that like, you know, he's kind of been like avoiding work. Deadlines are croaching in and like, uh, you know, he's just sitting there like playing video games and becomes kind of a shut in. The Joker is in his head. Um, and it's just basically saying like, you know, like, oh no, you deserve to play some games, you know, hang out, don't worry about work and all this stuff. And, uh, there's a really great sequence where, uh, Batman comes in and punches him out and he's like, and he's like, get up, go back to work. And, uh, he just kind of, um, ignores him, you know, and it's just like, it's just like, whatever, you know, and all this stuff. And, uh, Batman's making a bunch of drill sergeant type points. He's like, he's like, you're pathetic. Like, you know, your attitude is terrible and like, you know, you need to get up and, uh, you know. Get to work. Do do what you got to do. This I I do understand both sides of it, but like to say to take a fucking couple of weeks off of work is like a Joker mentality. Is like <laughs> that's right. when I brought you, you, that up earlier. I was like, you, they basically the what I'm getting here is like 
if you take any time for yourself, yeah. you're a worthless piece of shit. That's, but I, I think, mean, this is clearly a successful dude who probably thinks like that. But you but know? I think True. that but I think though that he's relating it less as like, oh, I need to take some time for myself, and he's talking about like entirely quitting. Like he even says later on, like how he was like, I don't think I want to do this anymore. Like like his job. Like you know, I mean, like and and it's like. That's yeah, and that's that's a bit more of a bigger thing than I think. Like it's just like I don't think he's specifically talking about like the the time off from work at least. Yeah. You know, like um, it's a, it, it, you know, he, he's talking about just giving up in general. Sure, there is a little gray area line where it's like he's been off for a week trying to play video games, and Joker's like, "Keep playing games." Yeah, and he's like, "Batman's like." You fucking loser. Yeah. <laughs> like, Hang on. Batman's like, this, guy, this guy needs shit. to fucking relax for a minute. Or- Batman's like, my orbital gets turned into powder every fucking night. Birch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, this is where we get uh, probably one of my favorite sequences in the book is, um, you know, after he kind of argues with Batman, it jumps to this thing where um, uh, he's like, I want to buy a gun. And he goes through this whole thing where it's like he wants to buy a gun for protection, even though he's never been like okay with guns he he actually goes into detail about how he had this traumatic experience as a kid where they were hunting um and his and he was uh you know they were being kind of rowdy and like trying to get these ducks and he aimed a gun at the duck and his brother his little brother happened to walk right into his eyesight as he had his finger on the trigger i totally felt that moment the way he described it and said i i I never fucking looked at a gun again that made me so fucking like (laughs) Yeah, you're like, like, like it's just, yeah, it's it's very visceral the way he tells it, and it's like, I love too how he's like, he's like my little brother, like doesn't even remember it, you know, but I like never forgot that shit for the rest of my life. How could you? Yeah, and like here he is, you know, at a gun shop, talking about wanting to buy a gun, and Batman's just talking shit to him. I love, the, <laughs> I love. He's like asked to see a Walther PPK. Every little boy dreams of being James Bond. Yeah, he calls him a little boy. Yeah, and like. I also like, like the Batman line where Batman's like target shooting too, and the narrator's like, they would never have let me have Batman shoot a gun. And Batman's like, I know how to shoot a fucking gun. It just doesn't mean I'm going to shoot it at people, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, this whole sequence is probably my favorite in the book just because of the fact that like we get that background story and, um, you know, he's renting this gun at a range, you know, and all this stuff. And, um, uh, you know, Batman's talking to him and, um, in the end, like, you know, he, he ends up just giving it back and he's like, he's like, yeah, God damn it. What am I doing? You know? And he walks out, but he ends up walking out and ends up going to like his other kind of respite from all this and what's been like, kind of like holding his mind back and he's going to the bar and, um, they talk about how he's been there for nights and weeks, you know, and he's just getting fucked up, not taking care of himself at all. And, uh, he ends up going back to the doctor cause he has walking pneumonia and, uh, like he's just, he's just downward spiraling basically, you know? And, um, uh, when he, he ends up going back in, um, he has this kind of conversation with Batman again in his room. And, uh, it's, it's kind of more of the same where he's like, you know, I'm, uh, talking about him and, and, and he's trying to express to Batman too. There's a particular line where he talks about how, the cops haven't called him back, even though, you know, he's called to ask on the case and, and, you know, they're just like, we've assigned your case number. If we hear anything or someone else has a similar incident, we'll call you basically just like, you know, the dude, like it ain't going to happen, you know? And, uh, Batman's, you know, still just like, you, you, you gotta, 
move, you got to do something, you know, like you got, you can't keep doing this and like, otherwise you're going to be stuck like this. And, uh, like he talks about how he went out like during the day, um, to a mall when it was busy for the first time he was around like a bunch of crowded people. And like, he imagined them all as like clay face monsters and he's just, uh, just, you know, it's, it's just ain't working out. And like, he ends up talking to the Joker some more again. Um, you know, and, uh, and he, and he's just, he's just back and forth on it basically. And like, uh, doesn't really know what to do. So like, I think it's the next day, um, he's out at a, uh, a record shop with his sister and he's got his, uh, Warner brothers, uh, jacket on. And, um, one of the workers, now uh, Paul has said too in interviews that this actually, obviously like, you know, th- this incident did happen, um, or this interaction did happen. Um, but the, uh, this happened to him like in a few ways. This is one of those things I was talking about condensing, like, you know, multiple people kind of impacted him this way. But, um, the worker starts telling me, he's like, Hey man, you work for Warner brothers. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I do. I write cartoons. And, um, the guy's like, which ones? And, uh, uh, you know, he tells him like, you know, Batman, tiny tune adventures. And he's like, he's like, Oh, like, you know, I, I like, you know, this, my wife has, uh, you know, terminal cancer basically. And, uh, he's like, cartoons are like one of the only things that, you know, kind of give us a respite from everything. And, um, uh, you know, I just, it's really cool that you do that, you know, and like, and, and he's, and, uh, it kind of makes him reevaluate and his sister's just like, see, and you think you didn't help anybody or your work didn't matter, you know? And, uh, and it kind of, you know, that kind of brings him back a little bit. He ends up going home and this is where you get the scene where he, he writes like his, the first Joker scene that he wrote for mask of the phantasm in the movie. And, uh, you know, it's kind of fun because like you kind of get the, um, uh, monologue that Joker's doing like in the background. And obviously the context of that scene is much different, but it, it kind of relates to what he's going through at that moment. No and spoilers like, for the movie, by the way. Uh, sure. <laughs> but, but yeah, you know, like, um, it's a, uh, it, it, you know, he, he's kind of, he's kind of getting back into it, you know, and he ends up like pouring out the booze that he had. Um, and, uh, um, he ends up, uh, going back to his office and, um, Alan is there and he's like, Oh, you're here. And like, uh, he's like, yeah, I'm writing some stuff. And, um, uh, uh, yeah, I think he's like, um, oh, are you going to be coming in for the story meeting tomorrow? And he's like, I'll be here all week, you know? And so you're like, oh, he's, he's kind of getting back, you know, he's, he's, he's getting back in the groove of things. And, um, there's a really interesting part that comes up right here where he talks about an idea that he pitches for an episode. I love this part. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> oh, I was like, tight. Huh? I was yeah. Like, I don't remember this. Oh yeah. Yeah. This Cause is, it didn't happen. This is amazing. <laughs> but he pitches an episode um, for the Batman animated series that involves, cause he had been reading Sandman in like his time of, uh, you know, like being at home and whatnot. And, um, he talks about this pitch for this episode, uh, in which like Batman would be almost beaten to death, you know, like, like, like by all the villains, they all gang up on him and, uh, he ends up like calling for help. Uh, but all he can do is just like, um, uh, as he do, he grapple hooks onto like, you know, something and he's just like hanging there and he ends up having like this metaphysical journey, um, in which he encounters death and Sandman and, uh, oh, go ahead. Uh, uh, Morpheus looks fucking, he looks like, like Tim Curry or something. He does look like Tim Curry. It yeah. Is, it yeah. Was, it was a very, he's <laughs> so different looking from how he looks in Sandman. Yes, he is. <laughs> but yeah, so like basically like, you know, he uh he goes through like this metaphysical journey where like you know he's talking to death and uh and sandman and sandman is talking about how like you know he 
Batman assists the dreaming and he keeps people from like being criminals. And we have this arrangement and how Sandman is like vouching for him. Like, like let him, let him go death. Like don't, don't take him yet. You know? And, and, uh, Batman in the end has to choose like whether or not he will rest or come back and he comes back and, and Robin saves him, you know? And, uh, Oh, he like goes towards the light and it turns out it's the bad jet with Robin inside of it. Yeah. That was so cool. (laughs) If if this would have come out, it would have confused the fuck out of people, but <laughs> yeah. now 25 years later, we would have been like, I would have been like, that's the best episode. That that's the best episode of Batman actually, the Animated Series ever. There was an episode similar to that though, where, um, he gets framed for the murder of, uh, like, uh, it wasn't like a cop fell off of a building or something and he gets framed for it and he like goes and hides out at like some cave, like off of Arkham or something. And he's like dreaming up a different scenario where he's like captured or something i think i kind of remember that yeah yeah there's something there's a similar plot to this where it's like all in batman's head that he fucked up really bad yeah an interesting take need to rewatch that show sometimes do you remember that show like episodically like very well no i remember bits and pieces of it but i do remember the stuff i remember like has stuck with me for 25 years didn't long offer have it on dvd do you have it nick did I have I have it on DVD. Oh, well, our friend Nick here has it on DVD. You need to rewatch it sometime. I like that show. Yeah, but um, so basically, like you know, he gets through this pitch, and Alan's like, eh, it seems a little too too much. I don't know if we'd be able to get away with this right now. And like, basically, they come to the conclusion that they're like, oh, you know, like it was good for you to pitch it. It was healthy for you to pitch that. You know, like you know, and just kind of get it out of your system and whatnot. And um. You know, we get this sequence where he goes back with his therapist. He kind of, <laughs> in this conversation, Sorry. though, he comes to, like, this revelation where, like, it basically ends in the fact of, like, you know, he's going through everything with her. And she's trying to, like, kind of rebuttal everything and be like, hey, but you felt this way before. Like, what about this? And, like, and he it kind of ends by saying, like, you know, like, you know what? I just kind of want to do what makes me happy, you know, and uh, for once. And, like, it really seems to kind of, like, refocus his thoughts and he kind of becomes more of like the Paul Dini that is the the elder Paul Dini that's telling the story a bit in this moment I think the elder Dini the elder Dini <laughs> and uh, and um uh, we also get a, a little uh, little Harley Quinn moment where uh, she it's the first time she pops up in the book she only pops up for like a couple pages in the whole story but um uh, I thought it was interesting too that um in the uh Fat Man on Batman interview where he talks about this. Um, uh, he's like, he's like, a lot of people are like, you know, why isn't Harley Quinn really in the story? And he was like, well, because she represents happiness to me. So like, you know, she wouldn't be in the story very much where I'm going. She represents through. his millions of dollars. Yes, that too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, so, <clears throat> you know, we get exposed that like, you know, he's, he's been storyboarding the story, like in the modern day, um, uh, to all the characters, like in the room, it's not like a bunch of like students or, you know, people waiting there. They're all like talking to him and, you know, it, it, all the villains kind of take a pot shot at him. Like, you know, they're all like, they're all like, well, who really cares? You know, and all this stuff. And he's just like, and he kind of gives like his, his pitch for, for doing this, you know? And he's like, you know, if someone relates to this in any way, you know, and it helps me, or maybe it ends up just being for me, it's whatever. But, you know, this is like a part of my life and I, and I feel like I can, you know, put it to rest and put it behind me and learn from it. And thankfully I didn't let this define me basically. And, um, the ending like, you know, after he kind of rebukes everybody, like, you know, and, uh, ends up putting Joker in a hole, you know, and, uh, uh, making good with Batman. Um, he comes out of the office and, uh, Harley Quinn's waiting there for him and he's like, let's go write you a good story. 
you know, and then that's the end. Yeah. So we can kind of go <clears throat> into some overall thoughts here. Um, I really only got like, you know, a few questions that I figure we can all kind of answer um, just and see what discussion comes out of it, you know. Um, uh, but um, any any like gut reactions anybody wants to get off their chest? I, I said it earlier. It's a little indulgent, um, but uh, it it's almost too personal. Um, too personal? Yeah, it almost kind of feels like uh, reading his diary, sort of. Yeah. Um, he did revisit diaries for this. I'm, I would say that that's not entirely fair because that so many people do that in like novel form. And it's completely acceptable. That's that's what I've been kind of struggling with is I've, my thoughts of I love stories where you get to know a character so well and you see them uh, go through struggles and, and change and go through things. I love that. And then I'm like, but why why am I not connecting so much when it's a real person telling me that? I think this is like um, a new way to do this kind of thing. I think it's an interesting way for a person to do a cathartic, like self help story about himself, mm -hmm. but it's in the art form that he loves. Yeah, it, it is. And it's, it's very interesting. Yeah. Um, I think off the bat, it's just, it's a little too, I don't know. Maybe I see too much of myself and like a lot of the stuff that he doesn't like about himself. Yeah, no, and I mean, it, I can, I can relate to that as well. I mean, like, uh, but I think I take that more as like, and I think that he's said this himself as well, but like, you know, he, he doesn't, he doesn't talk of himself in too high regard, you know, but he's like, he's like, I would hope that like, if anybody gets anything out of this, that like, it would be like, you know, this like slobby dude can get past stuff and, and better himself than, you know, I can do it too type mm -hmm. of thing. And that's kind of how I look at like the, the way it ends and whatnot. I'm like, I'm like, oh, well, you know, there's, we all go through stuff like this in in various forms. There's a part in the end that I think is well needed where he says, I didn't know if it was, if it would even matter if I would say this or if it's like, if this is important to anybody or anything. Yeah. Because so many people have experienced so much worse than me, but that's what like the Riddler and the Joker are talking to him about where they're like, yeah. they're like, they're like, so what? Like you got mugged and you got over it. Like, you know, that type of thing. And, yeah. He's, he's, but he's like talking to people. I think this could help somebody yeah. somewhere. And I, I mean, I, I do appreciate it for that. Yeah. Before we kind of get into the more story-oriented stuff here, at least, um, I just want to say like, um, how we feel about like uh, Eduardo Rizzo's art. For the most part, it's pretty good. I think yeah. it's good. I like that it shapeshifts. Yeah. Very malleable. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah? Yeah. I like the way he draws Batman. Yeah. Batman looks cool. Draws a good Batman. Got cool muscles. <laughs> <laughs> uh. The way he draws Paul Dini makes him look like a, a kind of like a scrunched Jack Black. That's what I said. To Nick. <laughs> yeah. That's like the first thing I noticed. I thought it was Jack Black. Nick said, or uh, Brett said, he kind of looks like uh, Peter Griffin. I can see that. No, he looked like Peter Griffin in the photo you showed me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I mean, think he, he looks like um, who's the? Uh, he looks like Peter Jackson in the art. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Too. yeah. He does look like Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson. Yeah, that, that was really good. <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> No, I used to practice because there's a, in the Lord of the Rings, like the documentary that came with the extended editions. You used to practice. He's like, he's like, I'm Peter Jackson. And today <laughs> I'm going to talk about the action scenes. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> anyway, you know, I, um, I agree on the art though. I, um, uh, I love the, the different styles that he uses. Um, 
changes it up a lot. Um, I think that like, you know, it, because the, the ideas of like the, um, the, the imagination, like, you know, being a big narrative device in the story, it, it's, it's good like that. Cause it, it not only, you know, are we seeing like Paul Dini, like, you know, tell the story in that way to make like this dichotomy from like the real world to like his thoughts, but like, you know, the, the drastic art changes like illustrate that, you know, on a further level as well. There was a dreaminess to it. Like the backgrounds were kind of washy and uh, ever, the, the characters were popping in different styles over real life things. You yeah. Know? And, and sometimes that- and I love too how like sometimes when they would move, like to from panel to panel like uh it's very cartoony like they just like stretch into like this like different pose or whatever you know and like his uh joker does it a lot at least like when he has like those longer conversations with him um yeah yeah it it really adds to the uh i'm telling you a story that's in my head yeah i think Um, that's cool but i really like i really like uh the way when he when what's his name rizzo yeah, Eduardo Rizzo. Um, I really like the way old Riz draws it. Like when it's <laughs> Riz. it's when it's like when he's drawing realistic uh-huh. um, because he uses a lot of watercolor and uh, he uses a lot of like uh, blue and like kind of beige soft palettes. And it just it looks really cool. Yeah, I like that. I, I love watercolor comic book art a lot. Have you painted? You you speak as if you have painted. I did take art class um, from kindergarten <laughs> through high school, senior okay. year. Never mind. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Brett trying to talk about painting. No, I don't know anything about painting. But you're- No, I know, but I said Brett trying to talk, talk about, have a meaning conversation about painting. I don't know. I, Max seems like Max had fucking, some diamonds in there. and Max just talking about fucking finger painting. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've been painting my fucking Gundam models. <laughs> that counts. That yeah. counts. That counts. That counts. Got me some testers enamel. <clears throat> Next question. <laughs> um, I guess we kind of went over this, but I mean, like, um, you know, just knowing that it was like, I think pretty evident from like the first couple pages that this was going to be like a survivor story. Um, you know, did it, did, does it, I don't know how to phrase this, but like, uh, you know, does it, uh, does it live up to the, the expectation you had for it? I guess like in a way where like, um, you know, when you typically get told, told stories like this, it's not really in comic books a lot, you know, something like at least this like personal and whatnot, but like, I guess just like, how did it work for you? you I know? think, like I said, I think this is an entirely new format for this kind of thing. And I think it's going to be like, not controversial, but some, some people are going to see it and go. That's not what I want in a comic book. Yeah, and that's fair enough. You know, yeah. I mean, like this um, is this. I mean, this could have been a novel or at least like a long, short story or something that that no right. one ever ever would have seen because that's not where this guy is su- successful or yeah. You know, what I see this as is he could very well be standing on a stage, you know, with a with black drapes behind him. It's like a just, one man show. Yeah, yeah, he's just telling the story and this is it put to art. Yeah. And that's why like you say it's indulgent and I do see that cuz there are some scenes where it's like look at my fucking Emmys, you know. <laughs> but at the same time it's like who cares this is this one guy's chance to like tell a really specific story with a lot of complex emotions in it that I've never seen anywhere else. You know, like this is a really unique piece of fiction or not not fiction piece of art yeah i think that's why i say it's indulgent too because it like 
that's my gut reaction to like having to recognize my own emotions and feelings reading this, you know? And like I said, not liking what I see. I think you should talk to somebody. Uh, can I talk to you? Yeah. Okay. But Brett doesn't have cleavage. Shit. <laughs> I got a butt. <laughs> uh, Brett got a dumpy. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. What, what are you saying? What about you, Elena? Has anybody ever done this before? Like, Is this the only story or comic book like this? I no, there's no way it's the only one. <laughs> uh, I mean, like maybe done in this exact way, you know. I mean, but I mean, people have told obviously personal stories. You I'm know, sh- I'm like, sure there are like countless indie comic books oh, that do course. this kind of yeah. thing, but like this guy on his platform does it. Yeah. Um, which yeah could be seen as indulgent, but I think the tone of this is like it's. If I do anything douchey back then, I'm admitting it's douchey now. This is just what happened. Yeah. Would that impact your opinion? No. No? I don't think so. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's a, uh, you know, just just it being a survivor story. You know, I mean, obviously it's going to have a lot of, you know, deep, deep-rooted, sad, angry, visceral emotions evolved in it involved excuse me um but yeah i don't know i to me this like and maybe it's because i'm you know a big comic book guy but and it like it you're really, a survivor i've survived up to this point yes that's what i'm saying you can relate <laughs> but you know it's like i mean uh you know like i said i mean i haven't been through something like this you know i mean like but his emotions and the way that he goes through the thought process is so like I said, honest throughout the whole thing that like, I know what he's talking about. Like, you know, a lot of the time when he's going through those things and, and yeah, I see like, you know, a lot of myself in those emotions or how I've processed things in the past and it just really works for me. I mean, like this is a very impactful story. Um, not to say that, you know, other survivor stories aren't, it's just that, you know, this one, this one really hit me and that's why I really wanted to talk about this one. And I wasn't really sure uh, which one of you all to talk to about it? Because it's like, you know, I feel like anybody can really I truly believe that like, you know, even if it didn't like full connect with you, like, you know, it, it evokes like those feelings and like makes you want to talk about them, I guess. Like it's, it's, it's kind of beyond like, you know, your standard fictional comic book story, obviously. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, uh, I, I didn't know what to expect a hundred percent when I got this, because like I said, I heard about it. I heard him himself pitch it. Um, and I was like, Oh, sounds really interesting. I'd like to learn more about Paul Dini, but I think uh, going into it, I just didn't realize it would be as like emotionally impactful as it was. Um, even though the subject matter was obviously very serious. Um, it's just that, yeah, I don't know. It, uh, it, it just, uh, it just hit me in a really weird way. It's stuck with me ever since, you know, I don't know. When did you say this came out? 2016. Okay. Hmm. I don't think I was working at the bookstore in 2016. So I must have just seen this on your shelf a ton of times. Maybe. Yeah. I probably always saw. Have you had it faced out? Huh? Have you had this faced out? Because I've seen the cover too. I don't think so. No? It's just been on the shelf. I must have just seen it and been like, Dark Knight? Without a K? What's that? Yeah. And then take it out and look at it. And then like a month later, Dark Knight? Without a K? What's that? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I didn't yeah. even get. I I I didn't even look at the title. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Dark Knight without a K. That's that's good. Yeah. 
That's the title, Dark Knight without a K. Dark Knight, <laughs> the one without a K. Yeah, yeah um, I'm, I'm still kind of like, like I feel like indulgent is like a really harsh sounding word, and I'm trying to like reframe my thoughts about it, and I just don't know. I'm, it is indulgent. This is, I mean, it is a one man show. It's yeah. it's completely. That's why I'm saying like if this was in any other format, I'd be like, yeah, this is someone pouring their fucking guts out onto a page. And but the fact that he's got this like high budget DC licensed comic book, it's like, all right, buddy, no one knows. Really, no one knows who you are. You don't need you know, like I see where you're coming from as well. I think I think it's more just like a a uh, oh gosh, what am I trying to say? Like this is this is such a personal thing to work through. Um to have it to have it out there you know to like want to give it to other people to me that's like super alien you know but i think for him him, that's how he's working through this i think for him too like i mean he's he's said that like you know he's like once this came out it was like okay goes on the shelf and it's done i mean it's the purest now it's out there for people if they can you know get some solace from it i guess Mm mm-hmm it's like the purest definition of art is like the feelings that you can't say you do your best to, you know, like, like this is some really, really complex stuff. And, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I just think that it's uniqueness, uh, gives it some credence. Yeah. Even if you don't really relate or care about the characters or the story or the guy or anything. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then I think, I think further, like how one of the big, cruxes of his uh overcoming is realizing that his stories have helped other people Mm. to overcome their traumas and that's what maybe what he's hoping like you said this book will do so why wouldn't he want to put his story out there and hope it helps someone else too so yeah i'm just a complex man (laughs) i think at the very worst it's a good catharsis for this one guy and like I have nothing against that. Yeah. And the fact that it and if it does it took me an hour to read and it didn't hurt my life at all, you know? Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. I'd agree. I did want to. Uh, I my my kind of last question here kind of dovetails well with uh, what you were saying, Brett, about the uh, the fact that he has this like high profile license to work with like the DC kind of label on this. Um, Woody the Woodpecker was off limits. <laughs> <laughs> One of the. One of the touch Woody. One of the more interesting things I could think to ask is like, um, do you like that it deals with Batman more as like an idea or like the core of the character as opposed to like this like literal fantastical kind of tale? And kind of the same with the villains. Like, um, you know, I could kind of say like I think it's such an like obvious idea to use like the villains, for example, as like to represent like his insecurities. But to me, like I said, in the context of this and just with him being him, like it does work so well. And I mean, he is one of the only people that, you know, who can really get away with doing that. <laughs> I think having worked on all these characters before, you know, not a lot of people can say that. But like, um, I don't know how you guys feel about the the use of like those characters and whatnot, like being involved in the story. A real like um, kind of immediate thought that I have is I know you haven't read it. But the the infamous all-star Batman and Robin, which is where Batman, he slaps Robin across the face and says he's it, the goddamn Batman. Yeah, he insults him and he call, he says, I'm the goddamn Batman. Um, 
the way Batman is in this, where it's really hard, hard love, um, is is like what I feel like Frank Miller should have done when he wrote All Star Batman. Yeah, um, where it's that it, Batman is there to he's not fucking insane. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I I do like that Batman was the tool that he used to better himself and overcome and the villains were his um his vices and his negative thoughts um that he was using to pull himself back down into the the dark places kind of like wallow in it and batman was there to say you're a pussy (laughs) you fucking suck yeah i don't know lena so for you like i know that you don't you could give like two shits about Batman. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I'm sorry, no, no, it's fine. I just mean like, I just wonder like, how did you feel about the fact of him like using those as like kind of a metaphorical sense? Like, did it, did that like connect with you in any way? Cause I know that like, you're not, you don't really care about Batman, but like using those archetypes, like, you know, for his emotions and like, like I said, like the villains for like his insecurities and things like, did that hit for you or was that just something that you were just like, eh, like you know, it seems it, it, it did because I feel like a lot of people really hold on to their insecurities and it keeps them in a dark place for a really long time. Um, and I felt like throughout the story that happened a lot with him. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I can I found myself like rereading it because I, um, it, you know, ever since I read this story, um, I've read it like, you know. I don't know, overall, maybe like eight or nine times over the years. And like, holy oh, shit, Nick. Yeah, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a comic book kind fan. Kind of a bad head. Yeah, kind of a bad head. Are you? Kind of a Deanie head. Are you a, uh, I don't got anything, never mind. A Deanie doppelganger. <laughs> no. But, um. Couldn't you have used that time to progress in your career? <clears throat> yeah, but I don't have Batman talking to me to tell me to do that. So you know what, you know what Paul Dini should do if he wants to make real money? <laughs> Make a line of his own pasta called Rodini, like Rotini. If he was a courtesy about, if he was a, or, <laughs> he could have he could have invented the most popular uh, comic book character in the last ten years. Oh yeah, he did do that. Who? Harley Quinn. Um, try the last thirty years, bud. <laughs> She's been popular for ten. Uh, it, yeah, I was gonna say she really exploded in the last like ten. I think. Well, her first mo- her first like appearance was um. Uh, Suicide Squad, right? Live action, yeah. The, the new, the one that just came out. <laughs> Y'all guys are big goofballs again. I'm goofing. I'm just but, fucking around. So, I guess what what you were saying before, like Harley Quinn is his happy place. I didn't realize he, only he, the last page is Harley Quinn. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's kind of a cool. I didn't make that connection. Yeah. I didn't either. Until well, he doesn't really like spell it out in the book. I I just know that from interviews I've seen where. He he specifically has said, like, you know, people ask, like, why isn't Harley Quinn in the book? It's like, well, she represents happiness, and this isn't, like, a happy part of my life, you know? So it's kind of nice to know that, like, you know, going in at least, like, recontextualizes her appearance right at the end, you know? Yeah, like, but, I mean, you even get that. You're like, now what are we Yeah, because she's like, now, because now he's having fun. He's like, he's like, yeah, let's put you in a good story yeah. or whatever, you so, know? So it, it comes across, but that he actually spelled that out in an that interview or whatever that Harley yeah. Quinn's my happy place. By the way, I, I will say like, I highly recommend for anyone listening who's interested, um, uh, check out a little podcast by Kevin Smith, um, uh, and Mark Bernardin, um, called fat men on Batman. 
and do the episode where <laughs> Paul Dini talks about this because it's very insightful and it's a very good conversation and he'll sell you on this book probably better than, than I ever could at least because I do think it's very much worth reading. Um, he also did an interview um, on a podcast called Batman, the animated podcast <laughs> where they just talk about the animated series. They interview like all the people and stuff um, uh, around the time that this book came out. Um, he did another interview on there where he gives even a bit more insightful stuff about the story itself. It's very interesting. Um, but yeah, um, but what I was saying about the, uh, villains at least, um, you know, after reading this like so many times, um, in the latter, I was trying to be more critical, uh, just to kind of bring up some points during this, but you know, I, I thought like, I was like, Oh, maybe like, you know, using all of those villains to like represent these certain parts. Like I was like, there might be something where I'm like, Oh, maybe that's a little forced. I don't really think any of them are forced. Maybe the penguin like the penguin has a little scene in the bar, but like at that point we hadn't really seen like him doing that, that part of his self-destructive behavior. So like, I feel like it all works. I could see a little gray area with the workaholic and this is gray area because is this his recovery period or is it, he thinks now he's been off work for a week. So he's taking too much time off. And that is, some sort of villain mentality. Yeah. I don't know. There, I mean, like to me, a lo- that was a little bit like, all right, man, you, you can, you need to relax. You were just being too hard fucking, on yourself. Yeah. But uh, that's just how some people are. And there's a, he there seems is a, like that. You do have to person. pull your, you do have to pull yourself up at a certain point. I actually just turned to a, a really good page for that. It's, it's the only lines that Mr. Freeze has. Um, he says, emotional disconnection, I'm in favor of it, though I question the rest of your tale. I was in your life then, then I never saw any pain or sadness, to which Deanie replies, did you ever scrape the ice off your windshield and look? And Freeze says, of course not. Other people's problems bore me so. And that's a really, obviously, a very much a self-reflection. Yeah. Of, yeah, of, I guess I, I should have enunciated those last couple pages more where he's talking he to all up. the villains, but like, um, that's where he really kind of justifies what Brett was talking about earlier, like just putting the story out there, you know, like, because they, they critique him for everything that you possibly, I think could critique the story for at that point. And like, he basically is just like, I don't know, but this is my story, you know, and like, and I need to do something with it like that. that and, and in a way I love that too, because like, you know, from the very beginning when he's talking about his upbringing, like, Stories are the thing that he does. Those are the things he connects with. That's what he likes. That's what he's good at. You know And I mean? Like, and it's like, that would be the solution to helping him move past things. Yeah, I totally agree. I think like the only thing that I could see getting in the way of this, um, of, of like comprehending this story for what it is, is, is seeing this one guy in this really high position to a lot of, you know, regular ass people who well, are like, yeah. I fucking love Batman kind of almost, uh, he's not talking down at all, but you know what I mean? He is like using this position to say, well, this is my story, you know? And he does address all of that, all of those feelings in the end. And that part we're talking about, yeah, which I think is really necessary to do because uh, it is like, it's a very one sided thing of this guy and this really special privileged spot yeah. to tell a really, really specific thing uh, in, in what really is his own like kind of psychotherapy session. Um, 
but I think just the fact that he does it well and eloquently and it's never preachy or, um, I mean, if it's creepy, he admits that it was creepy back then. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think there are, there's a lot of value to him using his podium to do this. Yeah. I mean, like if, like I said, if it was just going to be like some like purely ego driven type of like, you know, well, this is my thing, you know, like he wouldn't have been so brutally honest about all the shit that makes him not seem so great, (laughs) you know, like it, like at that point in his life. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I think that's the part that really sells it for me is like, you know, it's not like him just like, woe is me. This is how I overcame this thing, you know, or whatever. It's like, it's like, no, I mean, like I was doing stupid shit. I thought dumb stuff, you know, and like, and I, you know, recognized that. And uh, this is how it affected me. This is what I did. And like, you know, and, and it wasn't a perfect road. Like I didn't, you know, no, have all the right solutions and I still don't know if I have the right solutions, but I'm here, you know, yeah. whatever. It's the same thing as any like dickbag musician writing an autobiography. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I was a, I was a fucking dickbag, but did you want to plug your uh, autobiography coming oh, out soon? Yeah. Uh, Brett Scott's life is hell. <laughs> In border, and if you turn it, borders upside, and if you turn it upside down, it says life as hell. Oh, that's good. That's fucking twisted. What's that thing called? Um, I feel like a big dummy right now. What's the thing called where they... uh, Lithograph? Lithograph, yes. Yeah. I got you. Thanks. I'm going to edit that out. I'm going to (laughs) put just a different microphone, me going, lithograph. (laughs) (laughs) Have me say something like totally wrong, like... uh, um, What's the shaky pictures? What? what, Take a picture and you shake it? Talk about an etching sketch? Polaroid. I'm just like, oh, it was a Polaroid. You talk about an etch a sketch. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, to dislike this would be to just say I don't like autobiographies in general, but it, this is just a different format of it, and I think it's a really unique version of it. Yeah, you know, I would agree. I don't know. Uh, any of you guys have any uh, points before I before I ask the old question? You know, I have a question when you ask me the question. <laughs> okay. Uh, I guess. The, the point the, is it the point of the show um uh w- would you would you pull this <laughs> are you asking me first <laughs> would you pull this or drop this we'll just go around elena is it a pull or a drop i feel so bad i feel like i'm the one person here who like just really doesn't like comics and <laughs> <laughs> i can't say that i didn't connect with this because i totally did and i can relate with the story with on so many different levels it just I don't know. I had a hard time with it. Um, Not to say it's not a good story. It's great. Um, I think it's really unique. I say pull it. I can see a lot of people really liking it. I probably wouldn't read it again. Yeah. Do you think that's because more like, like kind of what Max was saying where it's like, it's, it, it hits home. It's too personal. It hits home. Um, It's not like a comfort read. I mean, for sure. (laughs) Like, I applaud him for being courageous and sharing this experience um, with the mugging and um, his spiraling downward and just his growth from it overall with the world. That's a big, brave move. Um, But I'm complete opposite and I don't have a therapist and I bottle everything up. So uh, I don't I don't know. It's a hard read. 
It's a hard read. I don't think I don't think that it's an easy read for anybody. You know, I mean, but you know, it's cool that you know you see the value of it, and now I can officially say that I got you like a Batman story. I don't think I like it. But <laughs> well, <laughs> Elena, <laughs> this is my first Batman book too. You have to officially say drop it if you don't like it. Elena's also <sighs> said many times that she pictures Marvel villains instead huh? of Batman villains. Huh? Like I or, never said that. Yeah, like when you're dealing with she's your thinking own of, issues. She's thinking of fucking MODOK. Mm, fucking yeah, you've got MODOK. I like MODOK. <laughs> thinking of MODOK. Yeah, everyone likes MODOK. <laughs> MODOK's, MODOK's like, MODOK's like you, you did a shit parking job. Like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you forgot to get two cartons of eggs. <laughs> I I personally would drop it. I, I don't see myself ever wanting to pick this back up again. It's a good book. It's written really well. The art's really cool. It's just not for me. That's all right. And I hope I don't, I don't want to offend anybody. I what? I, Who are you offending? I don't know. I don't <laughs> I f- I'm sorry, Paul. Da- I'm sorry. Paul? Paul Dini? You keep calling him Paul Dini. I want to call him Paul Dini. <laughs> <Okay, no. laughs> Elena, on the first episode, I talked shit on the art and then the artist retweeted it. So Yeah, I don't want to do that. And you're like, oh no. I was like, edit that out. <laughs> Paul Dano retweets this. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> Make sure to go see the Batman now in theaters. <laughs> he did a good job. Bro. He did a great He's job. He's great. Spoys. Yeah, Spoys. He did a great job. Just go Is see it, Max. I'll give you $7. He, I'll spoiler. go see it. Don't say he did well. I didn't even yeah, know. Yeah, because like, spoilers. Spoilers. It fucking sucks. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> but yeah, no. Um, uh, okay. Uh, uh, yeah, no. That's okay. Don't feel bad. I don't know. Art is subjective. The art was okay. Well, not just that literal art. I mean, like, just the art. In general. Art is only drawing. <laughs> art is drawing. <laughs> no, but, uh, uh, Max, uh, pull it or drop it, man. Uh, first, I want to announce that um, I'm launching a GoFundMe so I can go see the Batman. <laughs> we need to raise, need to raise $12.50. <laughs> um, we'll put the link in the episode. No, guys, he, he can afford it. He just he just really doesn't want to. I've got it. a stretch goal for tax. <laughs> he might get a popcorn. <laughs> yeah. Small. Uh, no, small. No sodies, though, because it's three hours long and I'll have to pee. Dude, I got two sodies. I'm not going to lie. You got two sodies? Yeah. I haven't had a sodi Like since at the same time? I haven't had a sodi since New Year's Eve. That's wow. My- I Wait, said, I'm only going to get sodies at movies. <laughs> I saw one movie. And got Wait, so two. that's why you love seeing movies. That's why you're, I'm going to see Batman. That's a big night. part of it. <laughs> I want my pib, baby. Dude, I fucking love Mr. Pib. I like yeah. my raspberry oh, fanta. Shit. We had We had an actual Mr. Pib in the fridge for like 15 years at my dad's house. And the same we, one? Yeah, it was, and it was a Mr. Pib. With the guy on it? Yeah. And when he like was. Like a weird drawing guy? Remember that guy? Yeah, yeah, he looked like Mount Rushmore. When he was moving, you remember that guy? Like, he threw it away. No. I don't know what you're talking <laughs> it's about. It's a funny thing to say. Do you remember the Mr. Pib guy? No. Mr. Pib used to be Mr. Pib. Now it's Pib Extra. I don't remember there being a guy. There, he looked like Mount Rushmore. He, looked and he like, turned into Pib Ink and got no fucking face. He looked like uh, face. Hey, cool. I hate Big Pib. He looked like Eddie from Ed, Ed, and Eddie. I hate Big Pib. <laughs> Big Pib. <laughs> um, I'm coming after you, Big Pib. Pull it or drop it. Um, you, Big Pib. Yeah, Fuck, I guess, are you pulling it or dropping it? <laughs> I'm pretty similar to Elena, where um, I'm very glad this exists. I'm very glad that uh, you know we said this is this is a very brave, unique uh, thing to do. Um, it's I, I've never read anything like this, um, yeah. but it is it is too personal for me. Um, it is too much like uh, 
I'm sitting in on a man's therapy session. Um, which can be uncomfortable. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, it made, it made me like introspective. It made me like, feel like I knew too much about this other person. Um, but, but, but like, I, I am, I'm glad that it's, it's, it's there. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'm glad I, I read it. Um, <laughs> but I don't know that I wouldn't want to have read it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, could you be more right in the middle? <laughs> Can <laughs> you be a little it, more I moderate? Think, yeah, I don't think you're in the middle. I mean, it's just echoing what, what Elena said, I think, for the most part. I mean, like, you know, it's 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 not You're I mean, Zoolander about Sting. I would I would <laughs> I don't know his music, but I'm glad he makes it. <laughs> I don't really listen to it. It's like <laughs> me on Deep Purple. Me on Deep Purple. I'm like, this is objectively perfect, but I don't like it. <laughs> this is a legendary fucking album. I give it a 45. <laughs> but yeah, like, um, no, I just mean like it's what Elena was saying. You know, I mean, like, um, there's value in putting something like this out. But like, I mean, I can completely see. Now, I'll, I'll be clear. Like, you know, I don't, I don't answer the the pull or drop it question because pretty much everything that we talk about, I. I like or love and I would recommend this book to people for sure. But like I can see why, like, you know I mean? Like it's, it's again, it's not a comforting read and it's not going to make everybody feel the same. You know I mean? Like I take it and I look at it. I use his way of expressing his emotions that I'm not like particularly great at or like summing up, you know, or coming up with like, you know, how, how did I, get to this place like you know or like why do i feel that way and whatnot and like um i can relate to his thought process in a way where i'm like oh when i look at someone else doing it i could do it on myself better and that's Mm -hmm. why i like appreciate it and why i would recommend it to someone because if that like helps them do that it's interesting but i can also see that like there's a lot in here that goes so deep and so to uncomfortable levels that like it can like not taint taint is the wrong word but like just um blacken the experience i guess like you know for you to where like you're you're thinking of it in more of the negative ways i feel like blacken took it to the next level <laughs> so not taint blacken not taint it's an Fucking overflowing demolish <laughs> <laughs> it catastrophically it alter it. your mind no i'd say it's a it i would it's a bit of an overflowing yeah of his thoughts and emotions which is he's working it out yeah, and I mean, I think it's just like a matter of like what scenes impact you the most or what part of the story impacts you the most because you would have a different opinion on that mm-hmm. if you're not looking, you know, I mean, we're we're all going to read the same thing and we're not going to get exactly the same thing out of it. That's And that's that's good. That's why I wanted to have more than just one other person on this book because I feel like it, it elicits that kind of, you know, those emotions in people and see how it affects everybody. Well, then... What what do I say? Because I don't. It sounds like you would drop it because you I wouldn't think, read it again. I yeah, I don't <laughs> want to read this again. Um, That's okay. So a soft drop. I lightly set it down. That's put that's it on fair. the sh- put it on the shelf like Paul Dini, and just and just and just be like it's there. Yeah, yeah. But you got to pay your how much is that book? Twenty one ninety nine. I'll wait for a sale. <laughs> Wait for sale. How about that? Twenty two. Ooh, that's price couch. I'd no. pull it if it was fifty uh, percent off. How about that? Sure. So I'd drop I guess it. you're always <laughs> looking for a deal. Okay, Brett. <laughs> would, that be, would that be a pull or a drop? The question I was going to ask you is how much did this cost? Twenty two ninety nine. 
I bought it new, yeah. When it came out from the shop. That's pretty high. That's pretty <laughs> high for, for one hour of reading, you know? It's a hard cover. Oh, Brett, it's you a hard are, cover. No? You can get it in, in, in a TPB now <clears> for <throat> probably like time. I don't even think that that costs that much on uh, Amazon or, you know, online or. The, the, the Batman White Knight that we read that is eight issues was like $52. Um, list price. Um, and it probably takes you two hours to read it? Yeah. I, I, see, this is my comic book. Uh, it, it, the, there's such a low quantity of content to what you have to put into it. You know what I mean? Versus like a book. We've got like over two hours of discussion about it. I think that's worth it. That's true. We're a special... Uh, we're doing like a specialized thing right now. And you could look at the art as much as you want. Yeah, I know. Uh, I'm not... Uh, Brett's on record. He doesn't look at the art unless So you're saying... Words. So Brett, let's get back to this. You're saying artists shouldn't get paid. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> artists as in painters... Drawers. Drawers and painters. Uh, art is drawing. We've they established should get paid this. at least $5 an hour for what they do. Huh? $5. At least $5 an hour, I think, is fair for... for <laughs> For, for an artist like a painter I feel like I feel Tell like the, what, what, what the, blood, the painter the, has to chime in I feel like uh, yeah as the painter here you paint walls not canvas I feel like it's, it's art it's, wait so you think just painting walls should get paid more art. than painting canvas yeah a painter like painting walls should get 20-25 bucks an hour I feel oh like you know like if, if, if we adapted a Spotify model where like every every time I read the book they got point zero zero seventy three cents i think that's fair <laughs> i've got to say i don't agree with you guys at all on this but <laughs> but sure i'm kidding artists <laughs> should get paid well um um so pull it or drop it right that's the question that's the one um let's think let's think does that mean what i read this again like what is I mean, this name is, for it's, this? It's not a series. It's it's like it, it's whatever you really want it to mean. You know, I mean, like, uh, was it worth the read? I I view it as more of like, was it worth the read? But yes, it was absolutely worth the read. This this cost me nothing. And oh yeah, because you it, read mine. I read yours, and it took me, <laughs> like I said, it took an hour of my Technically, time. Technically, I bought this twice. Actually, and I should I think, say, I, I think that I emotionally and spiritually benefited from reading it. Why would you even consider dropping it then at that point? Well, if it costs 22 bucks, <laughs> <laughs> it emotionally put me in a better spot. I'm like, you right. just fucking deep purple us. Now you're seeing <laughs> my way of thinking. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm, get nickel, it. I'm nickel and diamond it now. Jesus Christ. Um, so all I needed to get you to do to like, but it's like, is fucking give you a pull it or drop it. Does that, does that mean I'd buy the sequel? Would I pay 25 bucks for the sequel? I don't know. Would, would you? No. I mean, there's not going to be one. So like, it's not really a question. I'd he say, got he got like food poisoning from like eating bad sushi, and he has darker night, just the <laughs> darker night, the night he spent fucking puking. That's a good concept. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I feel like another another creative team was like darker night. Fucking, they just they just they just like we had it worse. <laughs> for, okay, for its uniqueness, for what you guys are talking about, it actually gave you guys fucking literal anxiety. Okay. I think that's like pretty fucking cool like it's cool that he has this platform to do that something this weird and like gruesome and dark and personal and that actually makes you like if i read i could read any of these batman stories and go that was fun but i granted i haven't read any of these batman stories i'm pointing at the whole room full of comic books that we're in um 
I think this is probably more like uh, raw and emotional than any fictional story could be. You know what I mean? A- at least in a in a certain way. Um, well, yeah, you can't really take like this exact avenue in like a fantastical kind of superhero story, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's just it is a totally different thing. Hits on a totally different level and in a way that I haven't read before in a way that I don't think any uh, I I think it's a pretty rare thing. You know, like there like I said there's probably tons of these on, you know, in the indie market. Oh yeah. But and for this to be it's fucking Batman and the Joker on the cover. And for it to be something like that, yeah. No, I I um uh, I agree. I agree. Um, I think that's pretty special and uh, totally unique and it should be, there should be more things like this. I think the art form of comic books should broaden past like superheroes and shit in the mainstream. We're getting Brett to like, like comics. Yeah. If it's, (laughs) if they get better. Yeah. I'll pull it. Very nice. All the stuff you said is what made it really hard for me to, it's why I'm so in the middle. I totally get that. I could see both sides like really easily, you know, I mean, it didn't see it didn't like give me um, feelings of like it was difficult to read. I I read it quickly and went, wow, this guy had a fucking story to tell. Yeah. Glad he did it like this with cool images. This Batman fella sure draws. Did you think Batman drew the book? That, was it, it um, was it Batman? Was it Stanley? <laughs> was it Stanley? <laughs> was it uh, was it Batman? I like his pictures. Yeah, it's good pictures. Good pictures. Oh well, um, yeah. All right. Well, that's a wrap, guys. Um, I just want to say before I do the little spiel at the end, um, uh, thank you to all three of you for uh, doing episodes uh, with me before and um, uh, doing this one special special episode ten. Um, uh, you know, many more to come with all three of these guests. So, uh, thanks a lot, guys. Thank you for, uh, I, I have a lot of fun doing this show. So it's good. Thank you for, I've had a lot of fun doing this show too. <laughs> <laughs> Elena has some fun sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> Elena got to have the most fun. She got to read the Danny DeVito penguin story. That was a lot more fun than this. <laughs> Did you like Colin Farrell Pingle, Penguin? <laughs> Pingle. <laughs> Colin Farrell Pingle. Dude, have you ever seen the fucking video of Benedict Cumberbatch saying Penguin? No. He's like Pingling. Penguin. <laughs> penguin. Penguins. Ping, pingo, penguin. <laughs> it's so funny. Spoilers, Colin Farrell Penguin was fucking I sick. liked him. It was awesome. I was really good. don't like Colin Farrell, but... I didn't know it was him till the next day. <laughs> After you watched the movie? Yeah. You were too, preoccup- you're too preoccupied getting your pib on. I was like, yeah. <laughs> no <laughs> shit, though. Sugar high. I was like, who was that guy? I really liked his character. I think I liked his character the most. Yeah, yeah totally. Was really, really good. I liked him a lot. But yeah. Uh, there you have it, everybody. Um, thanks for listening. If you want to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash none of my friends like comics. That way we can continue to provide you with even more great content. It's never expected, but always appreciate it. Follow the show on Twitter at No Comic Friends for updates and posts. Um, or you can email the show with your comments, opinions, and thoughts at none of my friends like comics at gmail.com. And if you mark it okay to air, we'll read it on the air. Uh, we're entirely self-funded here and just want to get the word out. So tell your friends and family who might be interested to give us a listen. We're on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Web browser. Web browsers. <laughs> Popular choice, apparently. Um, uh, thanks again for listening. 
and we will see you on the next page. Episode 10, baby. Bye.